November 25, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, seven lines from the top, two words before the end of the line. The Gemara, well, the context will quickly develop itself for us. Vehatanya, the Gemara, generally speaking, as we mentioned, when you have those words, that word, Vehatanya, it sounds like it's a question. Over here, it's Binihuta. It's really going back to the opinion of Rava, which was mentioned earlier, but not necessary for our discussion today or from the ensuing uh, subya over here, it says the Gemara Tanya para shehemita. If it was a terrible circumstance where a para, a bull, uh, brought forth the death of a person, it gored them and caused their death. And afterward, the para, the bull, gave birth. Now, of course, the status of the para, the bull, if it was what's known as a shor mu'ad that had already gored, well, the Torah tells us in Parashat Mishpatim, we put the animal to death by stoning, hashor yisakel. What about the uh, baby, the fact that the uh, cow had this uh, baby as well, this calf? And what's the halakha? Im'ad shelo nigmar dina yaleda vlada mutar. If the birth of that baby, of the calf to the to the cow, to the um, bull, uh, took place before gemardin, before being, uh, so to speak, sentenced in court in uh, betin, that this para needs to be put to death. Well, in such a circumstance, the velad, the uh, birth, the baby of that uh, of that bull, is mutar bahana'a, which means to say you're able to benefit from it, you can eat from it, you can work with it, and all that sort of stuff. However, that's as opposed to imishinigmar dina yaleda. If after Gemardin, after the verdict was leveled, the, uh, the mother uh, bull has a uh, baby in to- inside, this cow, and uh, out comes the calf after Gemardin, which means that the mother is a dead bull walking, in such a circumstance, Velada Asur, the uh, birth is Asur. So the difference, the distinction is between when the birth took place. Did the birth take place before Gemardin? And as a result, the mother is not a shorhan uh, what we call it, and therefore the velad is mutar. If it took place after gemardin, the mother is considered a shorhan even though it hasn't already been stoned, and as a result, the baby, the velad, is asur. Now, lastly, and this is why the Beraita was really cited, even though we're going to go back and focus on those first words, but lastly, nit'arev ba'achirim, what if the velad, the baby, the calf, goes out and it mixes itself with others, with other calves? The halakha in turn, but before that is ve'achirim ba'achirim, and then from the first group that it mixed itself with, one emerges from that and mixes itself with another group, even though these are large groups, but you're dealing with a shor, which is asur bahana'a in one of them, you're forbidden to benefit from it. There's a safik in that ta'arovet, in that initial mixture, and then it's mixed into, or one from that initial mixture is mixed into another, the halakha in such a circumstance is split. According to Tanakama, according to Hakamim, Konsinotan Lekipa, according to the first opinion, you need to take all of those calves, all of those baby cows and bulls, and bring them to Kipa, bring them into the confined area, and bring to their imminent and quick death. He says, you wouldn't be able to do that. Again, according to the Hachamim, you don't need to stone them. You cannot benefit from them. You're not going to enjoy their produce in the future, but you don't need to stone them. Hazat to all the other owners of those calves, and theirs were not birthed to Shor uh, HaNiskal. Uh, 
But what are you going to do? That's the halacha. Uh, why don't you need to stone them? Well, in such a circumstance, the understanding is it would be a Torah for Bedin, as Rashi explains it. And as a result, you're not rightfully stoning all of them. You'd only be rightfully stoning one of them. You're doing all the rest because of Safik. You could do kippah. Bishimon, Bishimon disagrees. And he says, Even if you're dealing with hundreds of baby cows, one after the next, after the next, you have to do sikhi. That's the halakha, according to the Torah. When you have a shor haniskal, it gets sekila. And in turn, it's a safek on all these. You need to fulfill as betin your mandate of doing sekila to the uh, rightful or wrongful uh, um, uh, uh, baby uh, a bull. And as a result, that's what you do. You'd give sekila to all of them. But for our purposes, although that second segment was relevant to Rava, which in turn was relevant to our Mishnah, for our purposes, we're going to today... And in this sugya, focus on the first part, which again was only mentioned agav, it was only, by the way, mentioned over here. And that was the distinction between whether the birth of the baby bull took place before or after gemardin. Again, we're dealing with a bull which gored, a shor, which in turn will be niskal. If the velad, the baby which was inside, came out before gemardin, you can benefit from the baby. If it was after Gimardin, we say, Rashi already tells us, we say in such a circumstance, the concept is, is Ubar Yerech Imo. The Ubar, something which came from birth, is so to speak the thigh of the uh, mother, which means to say it's an extension from it, and as a result it's Asur. But the Gemara will tease out the details with regards to this case. Says the Gemara Amar Mor. Amar Mor again returns us to a statement which was said earlier, which we didn't have opportunity to focus on, but now we're gonna hone in on it. Now we're going to pay attention to its details. So here it is, we're focusing again on the first part of the Beraita. Those were the words. If the birth took place to the Shorhaniskal prior to the Gmardin, to the verdict in court, the baby is muteret behana'a, you're allowed to benefit from it. Now explains the Gemara. Ve'afal gav, says the Gemara, it appears that this is under all circumstances, even though dechina geha havat mi'abera. This seems to imply that even if during the time of goring and killing of a person, the mother was already impregnated, just the baby hadn't come out yet, the halakha is if the baby was born before the Gemardin, before the verdict, the baby is mutar bahana'ah. That much I think we can accept and understand in the words of the Beraita. The Gemara is making clear to us what the Beraita seemingly is telling us. The Beraita is saying, don't distinguish between anything other than when was the birth. What's that? Oh, okay, so not much. Uh, you'll see in a second. You'll have to hang on for just a second. But that's why I'm just painting and making certain everyone's accepting this. The words of the Beraita were, not only was the, um, uh, the, 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 specifically the birth took place before Gimardin, but the impregnated state of the mother, that the mother was pregnant during the time of the Gorin, that much we're accepting. And nonetheless, the velad, the baby is mutafaha this would contradict the statement of Rava. How so? What did Rava say? Velad hanogahat asur. He uvelada. Nagehu, excuse me, I'm sorry. Velad hanogahat asur. He uvelada nagehu. Velad hanirvaat asur. He uvelada nirbeu. Ravad dealt with two separate cases. 
and we'll deal with the specifics of Rava in a moment, but the specifics uh, just only become uh, more specific for our situation. Rava was dealing with one of two circumstances, but he really addressed both of them. Either the, uh, the animal was pregnant during the time of goring, or the animal was pregnant during the time of bestiality, a human being had relations with the animal. In both circumstances, the animal gets put to death. What about the baby? Says Rava, if the baby was present during the time of goring, gets put to death. If the baby, in other words, was, was the, the mother was pregnant with it. If the baby was impregnated, was there already internally during the time of relations, during the time of Rivi'aba Behema, the baby as well is, is uh, put to death. That's the halakha of Rava. Rava happens to articulate it in a different way. Rava is talking about where, in context where there was only one witness. So Rava is talking about the following. There was one witness that this pregnant bull gored, or there was one witness that this pregnant bull had revi'ah uh, together with a human being. Such a circumstance, you're not even going to put to death the mother. You're certainly not going to put to death the baby. What you will do, based on the Gemara, Masechet, Timuran, Daf, Kafchet, is say, Asur, you're not allowed to sacrifice this animal. You're not allowed to bring this animal to the Mikdash in either one of those circumstances. But by extension, if there were two witnesses, we say the same status with regards to the mother will be relevant to the baby. If there was one witness, the halakha is you're not allowed to bring it as a sacrifice. If there's two witnesses, the halakha by the mother is you're putting it to death. Well, if there was one witness and you're telling me the halakha is both by the mother and by the baby, it's asur, it means if there's two witnesses, both by the mother and by the baby, it's niskal, it gets put to death. It's asur If there's two witnesses by the baby and by the mother and during the, during the sha'at revi'ah, as well, it would be put to death. Well, and there would be an isur That being the case, we have a blatant contradiction to the words of Rava from our understanding of the beraita. Again, our beraita, as we articulated just a moment ago, was setting forth for us the following distinction. The only difference with regards to the baby bull who's born is whether it was born before Gemardin verdict or after Gemardin verdict. If it's before Gemardin, it's mutar bahana'a, you're allowed to benefit from it in any and every way. Wait a second. What's that? Even as a sacrifice. Use it to the best of your... Uh, imagination and vision and perspective. Well, that being the case, Rava seems to blatantly contradict the Beraita. Rava can't go against the Beraita. As a result, we're now kind of questioning Rava. Rava, how would you understand this Beraita? Because after all, Rava's statement, again, is he uvlada nagehu. He uvlada nirve'u. The statement of Rava is you don't and cannot separate the mother from the baby. They are one entity. And as a result, I don't care if the birth took place before the verdict. Ultimately speaking, when there was a gemardin, the gemardin was not only about the mother, it was about the baby as well. The baby should be asur bahana. Says the gemara again, a few lines from the bottom, six lines from the bottom. Ve'ha'amar rava. According to this understanding, we have a question on rava. Ve'lad hanogahat asur hi uvelada nagehu. If the mother uh, gored, and there was a velad, there was a baby who was born, uh, there's an isur, even on the velad, even on the baby. Why so? He uvelada nagehu, both the mother and the baby, we envision, according to halakha, as the ones who were goring. What about velad hanirvaat? What about the mother 
who uh, had riviah, had those uh, active uh, relations with the human being, and in turn, uh, well, the animal is asur, if there were two witnesses, the animal is killed, what's the status with regard to the child? Asur, he uvelada nirve'u, we imagine it, we understand it as uh, relations, not only with the mother, but that which is the whole entity of the mother, meaning the baby as well. Says the Gemara, okay, we'll have to understand things according to Rava a bit differently. We're going to scale it back and pay attention again to that Beraita, which we began the day with. We began the day with the Vahatanya, the Beraita. And the Beraita seemed to distinguish between whether the birth was before or after Gemardin. Says the Gemara, you'll have to change a bit in your understanding, in your reading of that Beraita. Ema, the words of the Beraita, should be read as follows. Ad shelo nigmar dina ibera veyaleda velada mutar. Imish nigmar dina ibera veyaleda velada asur. The statement of the Gemara for Rava, again, we're fixing that beraita. How could you fix a beraita? The beraita is set in stone. The answer is the beraitot were generally speaking baalpe. They were orally transmitted as a result. If we have a difficulty with regards to Rava's statement, we look back at the beraita that was cited in front of us and we suggest maybe there was a detail that was missing with regards to our general understanding in terms of fitting it in with other matters. The Gemara doesn't like to resort to doing this, but from time to time we'll do so. What's the ema? What's the change? What's that? We're changing the words in the Beraita. We're keeping the halakha, but we're shifting it. In other words, the halakha that was mentioned in the Beraita is before and after Gmardin. But the details with regards to what took place before verdict or after verdict, we're adding a word into the Beraita. The Gemara does it from time to time. It does it in the Mishnah from time to time. Says the Gemara, here's the difference. The difference is not with regards to the birth of the baby before or after Gmardin, but the conception and birth of baby, which means to say if the conception and birth took place after Gimardin in such a circumstance, um, if uh, prior to Gimardin there's a nitabera, which means to say conceived, meaning that during the time of goring it was not pregnant, uh, so let's give a timeline. On January 1st, it uh, gores. On January 5th, it becomes impregnated. On January 20th, it gives birth. On January 25th, it goes, gets gemardin. In such a circumstance, the baby was born to, or was in, conceived and born to a mother who was, uh, well, waiting for a gemardin, but had no gemardin, so it's technically speaking a permitted animal. The baby was not attached to the mother during the time of the goring, which would be a problem according to Rava. The baby was not a part of the mother during the time of sentencing during gemardin. As a result, in such a circumstance, it's permitted. According to, uh, in, uh, on the flip side, alternatively, what if the mother is sentenced? The mother bull was sentenced, you're a goring bull, you're a shora nogeach, you killed a human being, we're going to put you to death. Somehow the mother has the opportunity while it's waiting on death row to have relations with another ox, another uh, whatever, and what comes forth, a baby after gmardin and birth in such a circumstance, the baby is asur bahana. Why so? 
the baby will be an outcome of the mother, will be an ex- extension of the mother, it's asur. But that's how you're going to distinguish, which means to say, according to Rava, everything works out perfectly. Rava's statement is, we envision the goring, the act of sin in Rivia, as one entity. If the baby is there, the baby is asur bahana. The case is the baby's not there, the biraita doesn't contradict him. The only case that would be In between the Nigiha and the Gemardin. That's it. Pregnant before always Asur. Pregnant in between as and, and you know and, and, and birth after also Asur. Yeah. Says the Gemara, this is going to work according to, however, only one opinion. There is a fundamental foundational mahlokir in the Gemara about the concept known as Zeveze Gorem. Zeveze Gorem refers to a circumstance where you have both an Isur and the heter, something that's prohibited, something that's permitted, that bring forth something else. Well, let's think about it in our circumstance. You have a mother who gored, and in turn, the mother is asur bahana'a. It's prohibited to get any benefit from. But the father, we're assuming, because all, all, all things being equal, the father is permitted bahana'a. Well, in such a circumstance, that's what you call ze veze gorem. The baby didn't come forth only from the mother, baby came forth from the father and the mother. So you have an isur and a heter, something that's prohibited and something that's permitted, which bring forth, brought forth, excuse me, uh, a new entity. What's the status of that new entity? Is that new entity uh, characterized as asur? Or alternatively, since it came from some sort of heterogeneous uh, mixture, it's permitted. Says the Gemara, well, let's break this down. Haniha, that which we've mentioned is understood for the opinion that maintains ze veze gorem asur. Says Rashi, it's mahlok nemasechet temura and aflamedalef. Ela, however, lemande amar ze veze gorem maika lememar. Says the Gemara, in our circumstance, uh, how can you square this concept of ze veze gorem? If you maintain that it's mutar, what sort of question is this? Well, listen again to the circumstance and situation. We just told you, according to Rava, his reading of the Beraita goes like this. If there was a gemardin, there was a final verdict reached about this mother, that the mother is a dead bull waiting, right? It's waiting to be killed because it's going to be a shor haniskal because we determined it killed someone. Now it has, as we said, relations somehow while on death row. And in turn, it has a baby. Now, the birth of that baby came forth from a prohibited mother and a permitted father. That's what we call, what's that? We say that it's a soul. Well, that's the question of the Gemara. There's a mahlokir about what the halakha is in Zeveze Gorem. The Beraita, as we're reading it, is telling us that's Asur. But the halakha is that elsewhere we have a mahlokit, whether you maintain zeveze gorem, asur or mutar. The father is permitted. The mother is prohibited. As a result, the birth of this velad, of this baby, this calf, after the gemardin of the mother, why are you maintaining so easily asur? The beraitadan, 
should settle that dispute. We have elsewhere Masechet dispute, a, a, a disagreement. What's the halacha in Zeveze Gorim? If it's caused by both a prohibited and a permitted uh, source, in such a circumstance, there is an opinion who maintains Zeveze Gorim Mutar. Well, I should have a slam dunk proof against that opinion from here, says the Gemara Haniha. This is all understood. If you maintain Lemande Amar Zeveze Gorem Asur, and as a result of not wanting to enter into that mahlok at that dispute, as a result of trying to keep this beraita outside of the realms of the conversation of zeveze gorem, whether asur or even mutar, the Gemara will instead suggest a different reading to our beraita for the opinion of Rava. A lot of variables over here. Says the Gemara, Ela Ravina, rather Ravina. Instead, explains the beraita differently. Again, until now, we suggested the proper understanding of the beraita is when the conception and birth took place, before or after verdict. We had a problem if it's conception and birth after verdict. Why should we be so clear that it's prohibited the baby? It's a case of zevezegorem. Says the Gemara Ela Amar Ravina. Emma, you should read the Beraita and understand it, and perhaps if you want to use that word, Rabbi, correct it as follows. Okay, so if before the Gemardin, the verdict, the Ibur, the conception, the pregnancy, the Leda, the birth took place, Mutar. All right, that much is the same. Now we're not flipping it to before and after Gimardin, we're rather fixing it to, and if before verdict as well, what took place? Ibera, yaleda, filada asur. And so it goes as follows. If the conception and pregnancy took place before, birth, before the verdict, Everybody agrees to that. Um, if the conception took place after the goring, goring was on January 1st, conception is on January 5th, gemardin is on January 10th, birth is on January 20th. What's the halacha in such a circumstance? It means to say when the baby comes forth, the baby is already birth is already being held by a mother who was proclaimed and declared to be a shor haniskal. What's the status of the baby going to be? Between the Negechah and the Gmarti, Yasura, Muteret. The baby, the answer is the baby, the answer is the baby, the baby is inside of her during Gemar Din. As a re- conceived, but once conceived, it means it's inside. It means as the mother is standing in front of the tribunal, they're looking not only at the mother, but at the baby as well, because the baby is, a, is, a, is an extension of the mother. It means when they take the gavel, after the goring. All this took place after the goring. Gemardin is the gavel going down and the verdict, which means to say at the moment of Gemardin, 
the baby is already conceived. It means when we say Hayav Sekila, we're saying it about the whole entity. Who's included in this entity? The baby. Ah, that being the case, we now solved it. Not a question on Rava, not touching on the issue of Zebezegorim. And the distinction, again, just goes as simply as possible like this. If the goring took place on January 1st, the conception on January 2nd and the birth on January 15th, and then there was Gimardin in such a circumstance as Charlie is valiantly explaining to us, Mutar, Mutar, because the baby was born without touching Yisur. This Yisur took place before its life, and the Yisur was not revealed in a halachic sense during its uh, pre-life, while it was a part of the mother. It's already separate from the mother. However, if the conception took place after the goring, and then there's Gimardin, so it happened on January 2nd conception, January 15th Gimardin, birth on January 20th, it says the Gimara, Ubar Yerech Imohu, those are the words, the baby is an extension of the mother, and it means as we took the gavel and said, Niskal, the mother, or this entity is Hayav Sekila. We referred not only to the mother, but to the baby that was contained therein. What if the baby was already conceived during the time of the Goring? Well, Rava already told us. He uvlada asur, he uvlada nagehu. They both were Goring. What if the conception and the birth takes place after Gimardin? Well, it's a mahlokit about whether whether when you have that mixture of something permitted and something prohibited, what the, uh, what the birth that comes forth from it. But this case, says the Gemara, says Ravina, is talking about a unique circumstance where the conception took place after Negiha, after the Gorin, but the birth, the Leda, took place after the verdict, after Gimardin. That's... All right, well, then you get more. Yeah, so then it'll get more complicated. You know, we'll have to deal. Sefekot always arise, but this is with regards to what's vaday. I mean, you know, you'd have to tell me exactly what your safek is, and we we could tease it out. But says the Gemara. Now let's go back to uh, human beings. I know, you know, we had maybe a good uh, excursion into the world of uh, oxen, uh, but now we're back to human beings. What's the halakha with regards to human beings? Our Mishnah told us that the halakha is if you had several human beings all having a gmardin is our assumption, one for sikila and the other one for sirifa and so forth, but we're dealing with sirifa and sikila specifically. What's the halakhaf? They were nit'arevu You don't know who's hayav sekila, you don't know who's hayav serifa. The Mishnah told us you give the lower of the two punishments. But what's the lower? We saw in the Mishnah, it's a mahluk between Bishimon and Hachamim. According to Hachamim, the lower is serifa. According to the Bishimon, the lesser, the less severe, the more lenient is sekila. And as a result, each one would say you get the lesser of the two punishments to all the parties involved. Pause for a second. What was the warning that was issued during the time of sin? The person's about to be Shabbat, and you turn to them and you say, all right, you understand what you're about to do? This is a violation of Shabbat. You will be liable to, what are your next words? Which death penalty? I imagine you're saying sikila. Well, if you said sikila to them, and now this individual, and we know one of these two people was liable for sikila, well, how are you gonna give them sinifah? How are you now going to give them the lesser of the two punishments? Their warning 
should be insufficient. The warning needs to be accepted. We learned this on Daf Mem. You need to have a warning, and it sounds like you're supposed to issue the warning together with what the punishment is, and the person who's hearing the warning needs to be matiras mita, needs to say, I understand that's what I'm getting, and afal pichen, we saw this again earlier on Daf Mem, says the Gemara, but wait a second, that being the case, it appears to that we imply to us that even though your issued warning was for sikila, that's sufficient for anything lower than that. Shema mina says our Gemara mutre or mutra ledavar hamur have mutra ledavar kal. We can derive from our Mishnah. We can understand that if you have a hatra'a, means a warning mutre for something that's a higher level, more severity. It incorporates the lower severity as well. Amar Birmiya says Birmiya, not necessarily. I'm not certain. Maybe the case in our Mishnah is not so. If the person indeed got a warning for sikila, exonerated, you're going to let everyone off. The case instead was that the warning was setam, which means say general. You turn to the person you're about to be mahalal shabbat, you're going to be hayav mitah for that. You'll be put to death. But you didn't specify. Is that sufficient? Does that count? According to some, it does. Vehai tanahu. And it would be following the opinion of the, the next, uh, the, the, this tanah, this author in a beraita of the Mishnah. The tanyas, the beraita teaches, Usha'ar hiyeve mitot shabbat Torah. En mimitinotan ela be'ida ve'idim vehatra'a ve'ad shiyodiyuhu shu hayav mitat betin. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, ad shiyodiyuhu be'ezem mitahu neherag. Pause for a second, just to understand the general concept, then I'll tell you the details. It's a mahlok between Rabbi Yehuda and Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda says the only way a warning, a hatra'a, is sufficient and works is, until you specify. We're clearly not, according to this interpretation, following Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah. We're following Tanakama Chachamim, who say you just need to issue a warning that says that there's a death penalty. Those are the words in the Beraita. That, in turn, is the way that we're resolving, according to Rabbi Yirmiya, our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is not implying that a mutrele davar ha-hamur is a mutrele davar ha-kal, that if you gave the more severe warning, well, it's good enough as long as something is incorporated with it. No! It's rather talking about a setam hatra'a, and only in that circumstance circumstance, would you say that this person is liable to the lesser lesser punishment? Otherwise, they're all off the hook. Technical detail. They got mixed up and they didn't have the proper warning. What are the specific words in this Biraita? Biraita starts off in the middle of something. And all the other death penalty. All the other death penalty. What, what, as opposed to what? Rashi explains to us that what's missing from the beginning of the Biraita for us is the case of Mesit. Mesit is a person who lures another into Abu Dazara. The halakha in such a circumstance is they don't need a hatra'ah. They don't need a warning. Mesit, the Torah tells us, you're not allowed to have any hamla, any hanina, you're not allowed to have any compassion for a person who's luring others to Abu Dazara. They don't need a warning. Oh, so that's the words of the Beraita, just from a technical standpoint. For Mesit, for that specific sin, you don't need a hatra. All the others you need, not only a hatra, but just like you need by the Mesit as well, you need Eda, means Betin of 23, and Edim, of course, two witnesses. Okay, but that being the case, that's what the Gemara suggests to us. Now, where do we come up with these different halachot? How do I know whether the warning needs to tell me what the punishment is or not? Explains the Gemara, Tanakama, Yalif mi mekoshesh. 
the first opinion in this Beraita, who, who, to whom Rabbi Yirmiya is appealing, that of Tanakama, the Hachamim, they learn the concept that the warning doesn't need to mention the sin. I see someone chopping down his, his tree on Shabbat, I need to say, you're about to chop that's a Yisur Shabbat. I don't need to say what the punishment is. Where does he learn that from? How do you know? Well, maybe you do. It would make sense. Everything needs to be clearly stated. Yalif bin Mekoshesh learns it from the passage in the Torah, which deals with the Mekoshesh Eitzim. The Mekoshesh, if you recall, remember we talked about this at the end of Parashat Shelach. The Torah describes a person who was doing one of several, we're not certain which one, the Gemara and Shabbat debates, uh, sins on Shabbat, but he's doing a sin. He's doing something with trees. He's gathering them, he's cutting them, he's moving them. What he's doing with trees, with wood, is, is not our issue. But they didn't know, the Torah says, what punishment to give him. Moshe turns to God, and God uh, tells him to put him to death by Sekilah. One second. What warning did he get? What was the warning? Moshe didn't know what warning to give him. The people certainly didn't know. It's God's verdict. Ultimately speaking, he tells them what to do. It means during the time of Hatarah, during the time of warning, what could they have said? Oh, don't do that. It's Shabbat. You're going to be Hayav. What they said? They must have just said, Mitah. They didn't know what type of death penalty he was going to get. Says Tanakama, you see, I told you a warning doesn't need to be issued with the specifics of what the punishment is. How would Rabbi Uda defend this? Rabbi Uda, who maintains that you need to specify the punishment. says you can't learn from Mekoshesh. Mekoshesh is not a general law and instruction in the Torah. It was which means to say it was something that took place at one time in a specific context and explains Rashid it was based on the dibur, the statement, the utterance of God directly, which means say if God involves himself in the Betin and tells them to, to rule one way, they follow to they follow God. As a general structure and maintenance of the Betin, however, you have other laws. Yes, that's only when God injected himself. As a result, suggests the Gemara, that is the two reasonings with regards to Hachamim versus Rabiuda, whether you need to specify the Onesh or not, the Onesh Mitah, the way of Mitat Betin. According to the Hachamim, you don't. Yalif, we learn Mimikoshesh. According to Biuda, you can't learn from Mikoshesh. That was an exceptional case. That was Al Piyad Dibu. That was Hora'at Shah. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.